I'm Tavis Smythe. This is KBLA Talk 1580. Our phone number 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. So glad to have you with us in this. I hope you enjoyed the reprise of that conversation with Ricky Miner. Um, what an amazing guy he is. And he was just dropping bars and giving great advice and uh, just really appreciated uh, Ricky Miner coming in studio with us for that conversation. In this hour, two conversations on the B side of this hour. Uh, starting two years ago with mostly double-digit views per video, the Hollingsworth family never imagined that their children's YouTube series, Grace's Corner, would blow up in the way that it has. Uh, if you have never seen Grace's Corner, never heard about it, you do not want to miss our conversation with Dr. Javoris Hollingsworth uh, on the B side of this hour as we talk about the massive success of, uh, of Gracie's Corner, um, again, an educational cartoon for children fe- featuring mostly uh, black and brown characters. Uh, so you'll want to be uh, around for that conversation just after news, traffic and sports at the bottom of this hour. We start this hour, though, in conversation with this year's NAACP Image Award winner for outstanding literary work. Crystal Wilkinson joins us now to talk about her book of poetry. It's called Perfect Black. Crystal Wilkinson, first of all, congratulations on that high honor and good to have you on this program. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. It's my great honor to have you on. Um, we'll talk about it and hopefully get it, get you to read a piece or two as we move uh, through the next 30 minutes uh, from your book. But tell me, uh, broadly speaking, about this book of poetry, Perfect Black. Well, this book of poetry, you know, I'm primarily a, a, a fiction writer. So mm-hmm. this book is paying homage to my rural roots and paying homage to my ancestors. So... You know, growing up in rural Kentucky, I would have never thought of myself as perfect and black uh, <laughs> and so and fat. So I'm fat <laughs> and black with a twang, and I would have never thought of myself as perfect. So that's kind of where the title comes from, kind of reclaiming um, perfection, mm-hmm. you know, because as black people, we're not a monolith. So mm-hmm. I uh, grew up in an era and a place where I was often made fun of because, you know, my city cousins would say, you know, girl, she's so country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so part of what I'm doing in this book is reclaiming that. Um, so giving a shout out to uh, rural black girlhood um, and speaking about some things that we don't often talk about in, yeah. in the black community. That raises a few questions. Let me just jump right in. Number one, um, I love this notion of perfect black um, and, and the fact that you are that you're owning it. Um, how, how do you define, though, perfect black in, in, in this context? Mm. Um, you know, I think of it in two ways. So one is the black superwoman, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're always thinking about. Uh, perfection, that the black woman is supposed to be strong and she's supposed to be resilient, which we are. Uh, But it's reclaiming it uh, in that way, too, that wherever we are, however we look, whatever our backgrounds are, um, we can be perfect in our own right Mm -hmm. without trying to all always trying to push that. So the little, again, to the little black girl uh, that grew up in an all-white area who would have never thought, and and who was fat, who would have never thought of herself, her dark skin, fat self as being perfect, it's for her. So my girl self and other little girls uh, across the country who may have grown up that way. Mm-hmm. So that's that's part of that reclamation. Yeah, how how much and uh, I, I 
obviously I'm not asking you to speak for all black people and you're not, you know, you're not black America's therapist, <laughs> but I wonder, but poetry can't help us in that regard. That's why I want to talk about it. Um, but I wonder to what extent you think, um, just in your life's journey, you think that part of the challenge that we have um, living up to the best of who we are is that we cannot accept who we are. We can't, many of us get comfortable in the skin that we are in, that we own this narrative that others have written about us uh, rather than uh, uh, just owning the fact that we are perfect as the black folk we are in the way that God made us. Yeah. I think that's a big, a big part of it. You know, we're always um, thriving and, and, and surviving, um, you know, surviving at least and trying to, to thrive. And part of that is that, you know, all those old things that our, our families told us early on that you gotta, you know, you gotta be 10 times better mm-hmm. uh, to make it. And um, so I think sometimes we have to stop, you know, a big part of this book is about the concept of African concept of Sankofa. Yes. Like to know where you come from uh, as you're, as you're moving forward, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to look back. And, and often we think about what, well, you know, what do we carry forward? And some of that stuff we want to leave behind. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. what do what do we carry forward and what do we leave behind is, some of the things that I'm touching uh, upon in this book, you know, for example, my mother, I grew up as also the crazy woman's daughter. My mother uh, was diagnosed with, with mental illness, which is something we don't talk about often in the, in the black community. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was always a fear of, of carrying that forward. But what yeah. can I carry for? My mother was also brilliant. So not, not the shame. I don't want to carry the shame forward. I certainly don't want to carry forward not looking at, at mental illness in the family if it comes up. Uh, but she was also a brilliant artist. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I'm a writer. Yeah. So I carry those things forward. Yeah. As a child, um, Crystal, how did you navigate um, that stigma and that shame of being the crazy woman's daughter? Um, I think I navigated it through writing, mm-hmm. right? I was looking for uh, books. So reading books first. Uh, and then beginning to write my own, I was also a very shy child, I think, because of that. You know, growing up in a small place, uh, a rural place, it was always like, oh, you one of them Wilkinson girls. Well, which one are you? Who's your mama? Mm-hmm. And then when I would say my mother's name, they would say, oh, mm-hmm. you know, their face would change. So so I grew up with that, that sort of uh, ability to, to, to shape, shift mm-hmm. and to keep my shame sort of uh, embedded, but also with um, a tenacity and a drive. You know, I'm among those those first cousins who were the first ones to go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times it was easier for me to write something down and, and even hand a note to my grandmother or hand a note to my mother instead of uh, verbalizing it because I was such a, sh- a shy child. So mm-hmm. writing for me became a big coping mechanism. Yeah. When we come forward, I want to ask you two other questions about two things you've said already, and then we'll get you to read some uh, some some good stuff from this uh, poetry book, Perfect Black, which is this year's NAACP Image Award winner for Outstanding Literary Work. As I said earlier, you mentioned your rural roots. I want to ask you about that. And you mentioned the ancestors. I want to ask you about that as well. Two questions about two issues that Crystal has already raised, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump from there. Our guest right now on KBLA Talk 1580 uh, is Crystal Wilkinson. We'll continue with her when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. We knew you'd stick around. This is LA's home for Progressive Talk Radio. Be heard. Welcome back to KBLA Talk 1580. 
Krista Wilkinson, before I get you to read uh, a piece um, or two from your book, Perfect Black, which is, again, this year's NAACP Image Award winner for Outstanding Literary Work. Uh, anxious to hear that. Um, you mentioned two things I want to come back to right quick. One is your rural roots. We were talking in our first hour today uh, about all things Georgia. Uh, of course, the whole country is talking about the big race last night that Raphael Warnock pulled off uh, in Georgia, giving Democrats 51, 51 votes now in the U.S. Senate and a little bit of a, a breathing room, I think it's fair to say, um, for President Biden and for those who are uh, trying to push a, an agenda that is um, not just Democratic, uh, but an agenda that um, can take into consideration some of the interests of our people in particular. Um, so uh, congrats once again to Raphael, Reverend Raphael Warnock. But there are a lot of black folk in Atlanta, of course, who voted for him. We saw the numbers coming in from the city last night. Raphael jumped out front on those numbers. We expected that. But there are a lot of black folk who lived in rural Georgia who also went to the polls yesterday, we are told, to vote for Raphael Warnock. And it leads me to ask um, what your great takeaways are, two or three of them, from uh, growing up in rural America. Well, I was, that was one of the reasons why I was so proud last night and so nervous <laughs> watching the election. I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you think about it, you think about all the movements, um, they all started with, uh, with, with rural folks, all of us. Mm -hmm. all, every black person in America has a rural story, you know, if you go back far enough, yeah. um, coming, coming up from the South. And so... You know, I think there's value. Uh, one of the things I like to write about is uh, reclamation. You know, mm. we've we've grown up in eras uh, where it's, you know, we see in the movies even, like, I'm not going in those woods. You know, the poor black people are, are <laughs> afraid to go into the woods. Yeah. And my thing is, it's ours, probably ours more than anybody else's, that we need to reclaim um uh, the you know the nature's capacity to heal for us, mm -hmm. and and I write a lot about that, particularly for Black women, the capacity to to sit by the water and to walk among the trees, and mm. you know to sort of reclaim that without mm. fear. Speaking of reclamation, what then do you make, being a, a rural sister yourself, <clears throat> of the fact that so many of us, uh, and this is still happening today, sadly, with Black farmers, have lost, surrendered, <clears throat> lost or surrendered, or have had our land stolen from us oh absolutely um that's one of the great one of the great many travesties uh, of this country in the way that that land has been taken from us but i you know again with reclamation i'm involved in a an organization here called uh black soil and i don't mm -hmm. live in the the country anymore i live in the city but there's a whole movement that is coming with uh, rural black farmers, my cousin just won Kentucky Farmer of the Year, mm. which would be just sort of unheard of. And he has a small farm, and um, you know I have several cousins that are still in the farming business. I'm a professor, and mm -hmm. so I don't I do a little gardening, and so I don't farm anymore. But there's a whole movement uh, of black farmers uh, sort of uniting, and um, you saw um, Natalie Brazil. Uh, wrote a book about this recently and there's a it's coming i feel it like a a fire i'm in touch with those people and that's sort of a another kind of reclamation that's coming because uh you know we we have it in our blood uh to put our our hands in the soil and i think many of us get away from that but there's there's something to be reclaimed there too for for black farmers and producers of food and growing our own food yeah. um so I see that coming back into fruition and in, in, in sort of a reclamation of, of some of those ancestral lands 
uh, that were removed from us. I did not know when I asked that question that we get a chance to shout out your cousin as Kentucky Farmer of the Year, but I'm glad to I'm glad to do that. Uh, <laughs> well, well, give us your cousin's name. Just just give him props all the way around. David David Miller. David Miller, Kentucky Farmer mm-hmm. of the Year. Congratulations, David Miller. I love I love doing that. Um, what what do you make? I said I wanted to ask about the ancestors, and I will. And in part, I'll start with this because uh, your mother is an ancestor. Um, but um, what do you make of the fact that you grew up in a small town and people knew you as the daughter of of of, of the crazy black lady, and you end up being a professor at UK University of Kentucky. Um, you end up being the Kentucky Poet Laureate. Now you won the NAACP award, image award for outstanding literary work. I mean, that that's a long way from being, you know, from that stigma and that shame uh, as a child that they tried to put on you. Um, you, mm-hmm. you you've done quite well, Krista Wilkinson. Yeah, I mean, it, with the help of my people, right? Yeah. Those those here and those gone, you know, I have um, I've always had an inclination toward um looking back and finding out what I can find when I'm looking back uh, in order to move forward, that concept of Sankofa again. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that I would not, even though my grandparents were third grade educated and eighth grade educated, they emphasized the the importance of, of getting an education of, of some kind, even though they didn't know what that meant and mm-hmm. didn't know that I would become a professor. My grandmother always wanted to be a school teacher. And even though she just had an eighth grade education. And so she she told me that story a lot. And so I think I'm a a college professor uh, because of her. And I think that my ancestors enabled me to to make anything that could have been taken as a negative and went down another path to turn those things into positives. You know, for example, being so painfully shy. Mm -hmm. What if somebody who's so painfully shy? end up doing public speaking, but before that, uh, before that writing and being able to write what I was thinking down, even when I couldn't verbalize it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm go- I'm- I have the ancestors to thank for that. Yeah. I'm going to clean this up for radio by just by one word, but you will, you'll take the point. My Angelo was very close to me and very close to her, like a godmother in many ways. I traveled the world with my Angelo. Uh, friendship for almost 30 years. It started when I was just a kid, basically. Uh, but mm-hmm. my, my used to always say that easy reading is darn hard writing. <laughs> and oh, e- yeah. Easy oh, reading yeah. is darn hard writing. And so uh, clean that up for radio just a little bit. But uh, you take the point, And uh, I-, I thought you'd appreciate that. Um, w- one, one last question here, uh, actually an observation. You were talking about um, your, your your grandmother encouraging you to get education. It, it has never lost on me, and I'm always just just kind of um, moved every time I, I I process this. And that is that we are part of a of a community uh, and part of a lineage, part of a people who were denied education for so many many years. Uh, and going back to working in the in the in the fields and and just the story that we all know of slavery and segregation and Jim Crow and Jane Crow, as a result, so many of our ancestors uh, were not afforded the opportunity to to learn to read and write or be educated, and yet even as they were denied that, they pressed us to get that. That's always fascinated me that they, yeah. that, they that they knew that there was a value in making sure, and we've all heard it from our ancestors in one way, shape, or form, that what they, what you put in your head, then white folk can't take away from you. I mean, you, you hear it in a variety of ways, right. but we've right. all heard that at some point in our lives. What, what do you make of the fact that those who were denied yet insisted that we get an education? Yeah, I mean, I think they, they 
insisted. I remember sitting in the counselor's office with my grandparents, and um, they said, well, what does she want to major in? You know, I'm quiet, wouldn't say anything. And my grandmother said, I don't know, but she likes to she likes to write awful, uh, awful lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's how we came to my major. But they didn't know what a major was, but mm. they knew that I needed uh, that this was what I what I needed. And I think there was a wisdom. You know, there's education that they were denied. But we come from some wise people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who were able to able to. um know that these were the things that we needed and to sort of gently push push us toward it. Yeah. Um, and, and part of it was through storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the reasons why I wanted to be a writer is because I, I, I listened to the stories that they told and I listened to uh, my grandmother's longing. You know, she longed to be a writer. She really wanted to be educated. And at the time, the colored schools, as she used to call them, were far away from where we grew up. Mm-hmm. And her parents just thought it would be better for her to stay where she was and, and to get married instead of going off somewhere with uh, with people that that made that they thought might do her some harm. Yeah. yeah. No, we uh, we owe a debt to our ancestors that we will never be able to repay. We It's just a debt that we cannot repay. The best we can do is make a down payment on it. Uh, by doing the best we can with what we have wherever we are. Uh, but it's a debt we will never be able to repay to our ancestors. That said, um, you talked about reclamation. The book is called uh, Perfect Black. It is the Image Award winner uh, this year for outstanding literary work. And I'm looking at my clock here. I've got time for certainly one, maybe two. We'll see pieces um, that uh, Crystal Wilkinson can share with us. So, Crystal, I'm going to pass the mic to you. You tell me what you're about to deliver and do your thing. Okay. Um, th- these are both short, so maybe I have time to read two. Okay. But um, since we're talking about my grandparents, I think I'll read this one first. And my grandfather was, like I said, extremely wise. And so he was known in our community uh, for the one of the wise men that you came to. And he was a, um, a dowser. Uh, some of your audience may not know what that was. He used to be called a water witch, and so people would call on him for all these sort of practical things. Mm-hmm. But the thing that he did for me was that he always uh, did my math homework for me. Mm. Couldn't read a lick, but was a mathematician because he had to keep his books on the farm. And so this poem is called The Water Witch on Reading, and it's in my grandfather's voice. Oh, I cipher pretty good, and can't no white man cheat me on my crops or on my change at the feed store. I'm known around these parts for being able to remove a wart with a bean. I'm the one they come to when they want their well-witched, and now everybody asks me how many snows we're going to have come winter or when they need to pull a baby from a mama's tit. Man from way off stopped here once for me to teach him how to make sorghum. Been learning all my life. I can read a map, can read a man's eyes and see if he's truthful. I can level a girder by sight. I can read the tremble in a cow's gut, a man's footprints in the mud. I can read a man's heart to see if he's right with the Lord, though it ain't my place to say. I can read time by my own shadow. I can read the corners of Christine's mouth and tell if she's mad at me. Only thing I can't read is words. Mm. 
And so that, that was for my grandfather, Silas, um, you know, the, the wise mathematician uh, in our family. Yes. Beautiful piece. The second piece. Thank you. And uh, Christine, who I mentioned there, is my grandmother. And so this other piece is about um, the kitchen. You know, I have another book calling out, called uh, Pray Song for the Kitchen Ghost. And so my grandmother is one of my, one of my kitchen ghosts. And um, one thing about living rurally is that there was, I think I was in training to be a vegetarian long ago <laughs> because there was always <laughs> something dead in the kitchen. So I'd come home from school and there'd be a, a hog's head in yeah. the middle of the tub. So that was something tangible in the middle of the kitchen. Uh, but what we didn't talk about was my mother, who at the time had been institutionalized. So this is called uh, Asking About My Mother. In the small kitchen, the hog's head weaves the gamey scent of death throughout the house. My grandmother scrapes black hair from the hog's pink head with the sharp blade of her butcher knife. I ask her about my mother. I always ask her about my mother. I play paper dolls under a Formica table with pearls around my neck and pink lipstick from my mother's treasure chest. My grandmother places the head into the tub, and I watch her hands, wait for her to tell me where my mother's gone. My grandmother fills the tub with water. I hate that she always reminds me of all she's done for love. Remember, remember, hair, face, knife. She lifts the heavy tub and situates the hog upon the stove, covering all the burners and turns on all the eyes. Professor, University of Kentucky. English in the MFA and creative writing program is her specialty. Also the 21-2022 Kentucky Poet Laureate and author of the book Perfect Black, which is the NAACP Image Award winner this year for outstanding literary work. What a great joy. What a delight to have been in dialogue and to have heard her read her own stuff on this program. Crystal Wilkinson, congratulations on the big award. Good to have you on this program and all the best to you in the coming months and years. Happy holidays to you. All right. Happy holidays to you, too. Thank you so much. A great honor to have you on this program. More of our program after news, traffic, and sports on KBLA Talk 1580.